Happy Mother's Day, everybody. You're listening to the Mo News Podcast. We have a special edition today celebrating all the moms out there. I'm Mosh Wanunu. And I'm Jill Wagner. Mosh, we've got a really big show in store. To start, what better way to celebrate Mother's Day than by interviewing our moms? So coming up, we've got Mosh's mom, Debbie, and my mom, Carol. We're going to be talking about how motherhood has changed over the years and stayed the same, what lessons they've learned from their moms, and they'll just be imparting their words of motherly wisdom. They also talk about young Jill and young Mosh. Yeah, that was the subject of a number of your questions. So we make a point in our conversation of getting to all of them. So you'll have a better sense of us, I think, Jill, uh, based on... (laughs) For better uh, or worse. (laughs) For better or worse, our mom describing us at at young ages, as teenagers, uh, and as adults. I told them this is probably one of the interviews I was more nervous about, if you could say that a little bit, because, you know, we, we interview lots of people, uh, and I've interviewed a lot of people through my career, but never interviewed my mom before. And so I, I thought it was very cool, but we were so excited about this idea. We hope all of you get something out of this. At the same time, I want to say to everyone who's listening to this podcast, um, I feel very lucky and fortunate and recognize how fortunate Jill and I are to be able to do this. And so we're sending our love to all of you this weekend, either who grew up without a mom, have lost their mother, are not in touch with their mother, or are struggling to become mothers themselves. Also, we heard from many people in our Monus community about the best advice that their moms ever gave them. We're going to be playing those messages later in the show. They were great. Thank you so much to everybody who called in. Mosh, one of the reasons that we wanted to do this podcast is to have a little bit of fun, but also to celebrate motherhood. Moms have had a rough go recently, just collectively speaking, with the pandemic and the formula shortage, the list goes on. I read this article in Salon.com recently, and it asked, is this the worst time in American history to be a mom? A little bit depressing, um, but they spoke to Dr. Harvey Karp. He's a well-known pediatrician and founder of The Happiest Baby. He said something that really stayed with me in describing motherhood today. He said it's kind of like Charles Dickens' A Tale of Two Cities. It was the best of times, and it was the worst of times. The best, he says, because of just the medical advances, there's less hunger, But he also says it's the worst of times, in part because of the pressure that moms put on themselves to feel like they have to be everything and do everything, especially as so many moms and parents in general have lost their village. For example, moving away from extended family that used to really help out in raising the kids. Yeah, that's a real issue. It's something we actually discussed with with our mothers in this podcast, uh, talk about Uh, their time growing up back in the 50s and 60s, and then being moms in the 80s and 90s, and how that compares to today. And speaking of our village, I just wanted to mention that part of the reason that you and I get to do this podcast every day is because of my village, which is my mom, who lives 10 minutes away from me and comes over literally every single afternoon to help watch my son, who's still really young, and put him to bed. And that way I can write and record the podcast. So I realize how fortunate I am to have that. So mom, thank you. I, I Really, from the bottom of my heart. Yes, thank you, Carol. I'm also grateful to you <laughs> <laughs> for helping out uh, and uh, adjusting as uh, we need because the news cycle doesn't necessarily cooperate with parenthood uh, and raising kids. As uh, Jill, you full well know. Yes, and Mosh, I did want to just mention, um, you and I recorded this interview with our moms a few days ago. Your mom has subsequently reached out to me and she said, I would love to add this, if possible, to the Moms Podcast. 
I am always so blown away by. I'm like actually going to cry because it's so sweet. Oh, um, I, but I and I should say whatever you're reading, I am not aware of until this moment. No, she exactly. That's you. Okay. That's why I specifically didn't put it into our document. She wrote, <laughs> okay. "I am always so blown away by Moshe's intelligence and achievements, but most thankful for his emotional intelligence and his confidence to express his heartfelt feelings and thoughts." And I just thought um, that was so beautiful. And she was, it was in response to this trip that you recently went on where you really, uh, I know we're going to talk about it on a different podcast, but she was really proud of you for that. Well, I, I am thankful to her for also raising me to be expressive with my emotions, et cetera. So thank you, mom. Thank you, Jill, for sharing that. Um, <laughs> I know. I, I, I literally have <laughs> like choking up about it because it's, it's so sweet. And it just shows it's just the love and the the pride that, moms have for their children i and i feel so lucky uh, to be able to call her mom and to be able to uh you know tell tell her mom i love you and i appreciate you and i'm thankful and i hope um all of you listening today will get a lot out of this podcast all right with that let's get to the moms Our village and very thankful to continue to have them and have them on the podcast today for a special edition uh i'll go first here welcoming my mom debbie uh, born and raised in the Chicago area. She is the mother of two, me and then my younger brother, uh, Yoni. Uh, for many years, newly congratulate her on her retirement. She worked two jobs for, I don't know, going on 40 years, mom. She co-ran the family business, uh, our family cabinet shop. My dad did the cabinets. My mom ran the front office. Then she also worked uh, at a hospital in the Chicago area. For those of you listening there, you might be familiar with Lutheran General Hospital where uh, she was there for uh, several decades. She is, of course, a mom to me and my brother. She's a grandmother of three, thanks to my brother, though I hope to be able to help to add to that in the future. And uh, Debbie joins us from Fort Worth, Texas, where my parents are uh, newly moved in, newly retired. Hi, Mom. Hey, everyone. Glad to be here. Thank you for inviting me. And good to meet Carol and see Jill again. And before we get started, I want to introduce my mom, Carol, who grew up in Far Rockaway, Queens, one of four kids, went to Albany and Queens College and worked as an art teacher for nearly 40 years on Long Island. She raised me and my older brother, Scott, now a grandmother to four kids, and joins us straight from my childhood home on Long Island. <laughs> Hi, mom. Hi, everyone. <laughs> Jill Ashley is still my baby, and I'm very proud of her. <laughs> All right, so I want to start with this question, hopefully relatively easy. We're putting out this podcast on Mother's Day weekend, 2023. And I wanted to start, Carol or Debbie, feel free to uh, begin here. Uh, what this holiday brings to mind as grandmothers and as moms, uh, now here talking on this podcast to your grown children. I'll, I'll begin with you, Carol. Mother's Day thoughts as we begin here. You know, it, I've always thought of celebrating Mother's Day for my mother, and then uh, for my daughter, I I just, uh, I don't know if I'm being selfless or what, but, uh, you know, I, I always felt it was very special. And, um, you know, it makes me appreciate my family, because I just, uh, I just think we're very fortunate to have each other. And I think as long as you have the love of a mother, it's, uh, that's going to make everything uh, okay because especially as a teacher I always saw that the children that didn't have that great strong family unit 
it, it really affected them a lot. And I, I just think that, you know, Mother's Day to me is love because I just think that as long as you have a lot of love for your children, your parents, uh, your grandparents, I think it works both ways. And no matter what your situation is and no matter when, what time you lived, whether it was uh, 100 years ago or today with things changing so rapidly, I think love is the main ingredient, unconditional love for your children. And, you know, and hopefully they feel that and, you know, that's all you can do. And I think that's the most important ingredient to raising happy, healthy, productive kids. Mom, over to you. Oh, she said everything that I was thinking, (laughs) but I'll add Mother's Day is every day and it's a day to be thankful Moshe was born in May, so it was absolutely perfect that my first Mother's Day was uh, celebrated with Moshe. And like Carol said, the first thought that came to my mind was my own mother. So Mother's Day to me is every day to be grateful and thankful. And uh, it's only getting better. How has it changed, Mom, you know, having a, a son now who's approaching 41 years old? It doesn't make a difference. To me, you're still a kid. And I love you, but I be pride. It's always been that. I've always been so proud of you. Now it's going 40 years plus, but uh, you make it very special. And like I said, a few years ago at your wedding, you made this mom thing very easy. It's funny that you guys both said that on Mother's Day, you don't think of yourself. You think of your own mothers. And I'm the same way because I'm a new mom. And for me, I don't ever think it's about me. I still think it's about my mom and my mother-in-law. And I I just, it doesn't even sometimes even cross my mind that I'm a mom too. And like, this is my day also. Um, But I just wanted to ask, because you both are mothers, you're both grandmothers, Was there any age or stage of being a parent or a grandparent that you enjoyed the most and also perhaps that you found most challenging? I would say for me, the most challenging thing about being a grandmother is trying not to impose my opinions uh, and my thoughts about how my children should bring up their children. Is there something you want to tell me, mom? <laughs> <laughs> I think I've given, I think I'm more open with you uh, th- than I thought I would be. And I'm uh, open with the, my son, like, you know, your brother, Scott also, but I feel like I need to hold back. And I also feel like it's challenging for me to see something that uh, I, I would change. But I also feel on the other side of that, that it's almost a relief that I don't have to feel uh, like it's my decision on those hard things and hard choices that you have to make. If you ask for my advice, I'll give it to you. But ultimately, whatever decision you and Michael, the you know, your husband wants to make uh, about your children, it's it's your decision. It's I, I don't have to worry that I made the decision and it might be wrong or right or like I did with you and Scott. As a grandmother, you're, you can think about things that you might want to say, sometimes saying them, 
but you don't have to worry that you have to ultimately make that choice. So I, I, that's kind of a, a relief. But, um, you know, as far as the, the great things about being a grandmother, it's just indescribable joy. You can't, it's just such an emotional experience. I, I, like I said before, it's all love and as much love as I gave and felt for you and your brother, it's multiplied so much. I'm getting emotional now. So many times with your children, with my grandchildren. And um, I guess it's just something that's inborn. I, I don't really know the reason for it, but it's the ultimate joy being with them. What's the expression? If uh, your new grandchildren were so fun, you'd have them first. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> it's, it's indescribable. Mom, something that struck me that you said recently is you were talking about uh, the amount of patience that you have for your grandkids as, as you were reflecting on being a, a grandmother versus a mom. Absolutely. I always tell people I would have, I would prefer to be grandma before I would have become a mom because I think I would have been a better mom. Explain that. Explain that. You just want time to stop. And you have all you have an abundance of patience for these little guys, uh, which I think they thrive on. Uh, as a mom, you think of all the things you have to do and the rushing all through all through your children's life is not important. It's the patience and the love and the repeat and the repeat that little children love to do and they do appreciate it. So that's probably why they climb on your laps and, and uh, cuddle because they know they can get away with a little bit more. Uh, times are different. Parents are under pressure to do so many things. And today is no different than 20 years ago, 30 years ago, 50 years ago. We have, uh, I think motherhood was always difficult and with all the advantages, it's just, Becoming more, you want to do more, accomplish more. But uh, kids thrive on just the love and patience, being watched, being waited on, and they'll do fine. I don't think you guys have anything to worry about in 2020. The internet is full of information. That's probably why you analyze and think, uh, I should be doing this, I should be feeding them this, they should be going to these classes. On the other hand, fall back on your instincts and your kids will do all right. And that's what I try to do. No, I, I totally agree with that. I think there's a lot of pressure on parents today to, to just engage in so many different activities with their kids and because of everything online, because of just the way life has evolved with uh, kids not just going out and playing anymore, but having to be involved in organized activities. And exactly what you said, using your instincts, what, just go with your gut, as they say. This morning when Moshe had uh, thrown me, he said, we're going to talk about the 80s versus 2020. What was the first thing I did? I ran to the internet. <laughs> and, and they had information comparing 1980s to 2020, but they sounded, it sounded as if the 1980s were the good old days which were referred to in our time as the 50s, right? you know, <laughs> children playing outside. But the 50s were different than the 80s. But uh, it's always a good time and it's always a rough time. So you just have to go with it. 
I'm curious, you know, uh, with the advantage of time and seeing how technology has evolved, you know, now there's like, you know, live stream cameras, you can watch your baby sleep and we have cell phones and we have the internet. Are there certain technologies that you see today and you look back and you're like, wow, I really wish I had this when I was raising you guys? Well, I really wish I would have been able to uh, to close the door and be able to watch my baby sleeping because I was always nervous, you know, they, with the crib death and all the, all the things that you worry about when babies are first born and when they're still in that crib. And uh, I, I was always quietly opening the door, going in. I, I put my hand on, on their tummy or their chest to make sure that I, they were breathing and feel the air going up and down. And uh, that's one thing I, I, I wish I was able to see, thinking about that now, having experienced that so much with uh, with my grandchildren. I still do that, though, by the way. I still go in, even with the camera, if they haven't moved in a while, especially when they were really, really young. I'm like, I, don't, I haven't seen movement in about 45 minutes. <laughs> and I'll go in and I'll just put my hand and just say, you know, make sure that the chest is going up and down. So I think that still Absolutely. happens. That's mom's instinct. I think because <laughs> we're moms, because we're women, we say and feel the same. I was curious because I'm a working mom, of course. And there's a lot of guilt that comes with that. Just the time that you're not necessarily with your kid where you're away and and either the dad is with them uh, or a caregiver in some capacity. You were both working moms. Moshe and I turned out okay, I think. (laughs) So I'm wondering, did you guys ever have that mom guilt being working moms back when we were younger? Well, I mean, I was fortunate that I uh, I didn't work till you actually went to first grade. And, of course, I was a teacher, so uh, I worked pretty much the hours that you were in school. But, uh, but of course, there were things, certain trips and things like that that I wish I would have been able to go on when you were uh you know, in school and I was working, uh, although I did try to time things so that I could go on them and take my days when, uh, you know, when, when I needed to do things for you and for Scott. But um, I, I think being a working mother is uh, is a great example for your kids. I think you could do everything. And I think that even if I had worked those first few years when you, when you were really little. I mean, one of the reasons that I didn't was because childcare was so uh, expensive that it, it, when we figured it out, it didn't really pay to do it for me. But, uh, and we did make sacrifices by not having that extra income for those, uh, for those first few years. But I think that it's more the, you know, it may sound cliche, but it really is the quality of time that you spend with your children. As long as you give them the attention and, you know, you do things with them, it doesn't, I, I think it doesn't matter if you're working or not. They're, you're giving what you can in the love and in the attention and in the, the, the quality of the time that you spend with your children, whether you're working or not. And and like I said, I think it's a great example because things were different. We were, 
when I went had you, we were sort of on that cusp of a lot of women staying home and not working and those that did work, it, you know, things changed. Uh, just like with my sister, who's seven years older than me, very few women worked after they had kids. So when I had you, it was in the process of changing. And I think it's a good thing. I, I think it's such a great example because girls, women can do everything today. And, and I, I'm, I hope that I was a good example for you that of working and, and really having a productive and, uh, and happy life. I mean, I loved what I did. I was, I don't know if everybody loves their job, but I really did. And I think that that was an important lesson. Also, you want to be able to do something that you really love with your life and you can do that and also be a mother, have your own, your own profession, whatever it is you want to do. And I, I think that just adds to the quality of uh, of things that you're giving to your child. I'm not hearing any guilt there. <laughs> <laughs> I don't feel guilty about it. No. Really Good, you shouldn't. Uh, yeah. Mom, I'm curious your answer to that question. And, and I'll I preface know. this by telling everybody that we had a unique setup growing up. So my mom is managing the household. My mom uh, and my dad have a business together, a uh, cabinet shop that she's at five days a week. Uh, we had the, I, I think, the good fortune of going to work with our parents, my brother Absolutely. and I. Like We effectively would go with them and hang out at the cabinet shop and pick up odd jobs around the shop and go on delivery runs. If not, we'd go hang out with my mom in the office, et cetera. And then mom, you know, starting at a relatively young age, you were also working weekends um, at the hospital. So I would, would love, you know, your, your response to that and, and your feeling around that, ma managing, you know, raising the kids, but also your various professional commitments. Right. Uh, mom guilt here, I admit. And that's due to the fact I had less time to be with you guys. And there's lapse, lapses where I forget uh, what was really going on in your lives. Uh, most was wonderful. I worked uh, at the cabinet shop. We brought the boys. They had lunch with their dad. They saw what we did which I'm thankful for because in, in the 80s and currently, they knew exactly where we were. They could picture us and they were a part of our uh, environment, the working environment. I began working evenings. Uh, their dad stayed home with them uh, on the weekend nights, which was good experience for them as well as uh, Charlie, their dad. Uh, but it was a little, it was tiring for me it wasn't exactly the situation I loved, but it was something I had to do. I knew I was helping them in another manner, bringing money in and insurance and necessities. If I would do it today, I don't think I would have worked on the weekends. I'd prefer to have been at home. Uh, but that's just me. Yeah, well, that's why I feel like I was really lucky being a teacher because I basically was working when they were in school. So I was just fortunate that that was the profession that actually my mother encouraged me That's to go in teaching. Debbie, I totally can relate to what you just said, because I used to work really unorthodox hours where I anchored a morning show and I was in the office really, really early. So for two, almost three years of my daughter's life, 
I was not around at all in the morning. So I didn't see her when she got up. And I, I had some, then when she started school, I wouldn't see her until almost two thirty, three o'clock in the afternoon. And I regret it. I, I had a, I loved my career at that point, but I really regret the time that I had missed there. And I've spoken to other women that I'm friendly with who are also in this profession who also have anchored morning shows or are reporters for morning shows or work on morning shows. And a couple of them have said the same thing to me where they've loved their career. But really, when you step back from it a little bit, they've said they can't believe how much they missed. And it's hard. It's just I think it adds to kind of what we go through, which is it's just not easy. You may, you try to make decisions for yourself, for your family, but you can't be everywhere at once. Right. Too much on our plates and hindsight is what we're talking about. I was, uh, as a new mother, a young mother, I was doing things that I felt were right. The boys were safe. They were loved, well-fed. But looking back on at it, I would have loved to have spent more time most was helpful. He used to leave me notes, especially when I was working uh, late at night. And he would leave me these love notes, which I just came upon. I don't even remember reading them the first time, but he had he had shared what was going on in the afternoons with his brother Yoni, with Abba. And I appreciate it so much. And this these are notes that I found recently uh, packing up to uh, move our move from our home in Chicago. So you kept a, you kept a lot, Mom, <laughs> as we were packing up. I know, but you wrote such sweet notes, and and because of that, I feel like I should have been home, or I regret not. Uh, I hope I acknowledge those notes. You know, those time moves so you, quickly. Well, yeah, I, I I hate that you feel guilt because I never felt neglected by you. I thank I just God. You to know that. And I know upon when uh, you went to college, and I'm sure when Jill went to college, I just tried to absorb every part of your life. And I think I have a better memory of the last 20 plus years than the first 20. It's interesting, actually. So, Jill, I, I threw out questions uh, on Instagram just before we began recording here and started to get a few saying, we're interviewing our moms. What do you guys want to know? <laughs> and so we've started to get some messages. There's a question from um, Sam Krasnick who says, uh, ask your moms, what was your favorite age of your kids and why? If you can pick a favorite time period or, or age. Uh, Carol, favorite age of young Jill or adult Jill? I think my favorite age was um, anytime in elementary school <laughs> because uh, she was uh, delicious and sweet and always was delicious and sweet. But as she got to be more of a teenager, she did give me a very hard time. <laughs> Go on. I did. No, I did. I feel bad. <laughs> she really, really did. And get ready, Jill, because your little Alex is, uh, she's Jill 2.0. So, <laughs> uh, you know, I mean, I was always super proud of everything she did because she she really from from the time she was in uh you know little one I mean till until now forever but the age that I enjoyed uh the most without the extra stress was really when she was younger because she didn't uh fight me <laughs> she was she she uh <laughs> 
she spoke her own mind. Uh, I, it, it's you know hard for, hard for two uh, two adult women to live in the same house and strong minded, which I think is great because I think that's what makes her what she is. So, so but it was very stressful for me because I, I had to watch everything that I said. <laughs> I was not easy. <laughs> she would battle me on it. But I, I think when she was, I remember when she went to camp for the first time, she was only, I think, at the end of second grade. She wanted to go to camp because of her brother was there and oh, she was just so delicious. And I, <laughs> she, she's still delicious. She, you know, but it was, and now I look at Alex and I, I see the same thing. She's just so sweet, but uh, I, I think that was the, the that was the age because I could uh, I could do her hair however I wanted, I'd dress her however I wanted. Uh, as she got older, she just uh, you know she she left me in the background. I'm going to do everything myself. I'm going to do this. I want to do this, and uh, I let her make her own choices because she was uh, she was very independent, and um, so. I love the independence, but I also, it, it, it's always a split thing with, in, with mothers. You, you, you want your kids to be independent, but you also want to pamper them and take care of them in, in a way that you're, you're going to dress them. It's okay, them. mom. You're allowed to say that I was tough in high school <laughs> and, and middle school as I got older. It's, it's, you don't have to qualify it. Mom? I think the difference this morning is boys and girls. So I guess I'm I thankful I have three grandchildren, two are little girls, so it's a whole new experience. Uh, but as far as my sons, the little, you know, the toddler stage, early, early, first grade, second grade, third grade, I enjoyed uh, watching. But I can tell you, if we're talking about Moshe and his brother, it's the current. I'm so proud and enjoying being a mom because I love seeing them as an adult. Uh, I think our relationships have evolved. So waiting to hear from them and knowing that they'll call and have wonderful conversations with them 24-7, I just am crazy about Last night I talked to my son from Chicago for almost an hour and it was such a good feeling because I can wait for their calls. I don't need to call and say, why aren't you calling me? They come to me. And I guess that's the important part about being a mom, to give them distance, but the flexibility to say, hey, I can call my mom anytime and not to hesitate. And that was my wish about being a good mom is being there when they needed me and knowing they can reach me at any time. Yeah, that is the best feeling. Knowing that they're not they can they can always reach out to you and you're still the one they call when when there's a problem. Uh you know, uh, my husband always laughs and uh, w when my son calls and he'll say, uh, "Can you put mom on?" <laughs> <laughs> we know it's something really uh Something he needs my special advice, and it always makes me feel so good. That's it, it's super. And then they reach out to us when it's good times, you know, they just want to share. I see that, especially with Mosh. All of a sudden, the, he and his wife are driving, and they just want to share the moment with me, and there's no better feeling. I'll give a lot of credit to my wife, Alex, there. Um, I actually think that she, um, uh, has 
I, like I probably like wasn't as communicative as I should have been mom in college and uh, through my twenties, et cetera. But now, now being married, I think Alex definitely makes a point being like, your mom would appreciate seeing this. Right. Way. She brought out those qualities that you didn't uh, know you had, but uh, beautiful qualities, but you've always had those qualities, but you were so busy. You know what it is? Cause because my in-laws also have two boys the same way that, that you guys do. And when you have a daughter-in-law, I think it just is different because girls are just, I think, naturally maybe a little bit more sentimental and, and you know, they what it, there's an expression. There's like the, your son is your son till he has a wife, but your daughter is your daughter for life. I, I, and there's true. There's a little bit of truth to it. Um, and I think if you have a good daughter-in-law, they hopefully include you in everything. And you do. And I'm blessed with two beautiful daughter-in-laws. And the boys were always teasing me as they were growing up. They said, you should have had a daughter. (laughs) (laughs) So now I have the two daughter-in-laws and I love them. I was always saying, you know, we we were waiting for the the third child at some point. Yeah. No, but it's, it is very true. It's, it's boys and girls of very, it's a different experience. It really is. Uh, and it's, and it's beautiful no matter what. So it's, it's great. You have two sons. So then you gain two daughters, uh, as your daughter-in-laws and you appreciate them in a totally different way. And I'm lucky because my daughter-in-law is also so thoughtful and always is the one that includes me with everything. Uh, you know, and I know it's her influence that, uh, that I get it as many FaceTimes and phone calls on the car rides with the FaceTimes with the kids. And, uh, and, and it's, it's beautiful. And I think that I, I attribute it to it. It's uh, what I said at the beginning. It all comes down to love. I, I think if you, if you give that unconditional, unconditional love to your kids, which, to me, and I'm sure to you, it just comes naturally. Uh, I, they feel that and, and they return it. Right. And then they do that to their kids. What you give, you get back in even uh, a bigger way. Mo, should you get any other questions? I have, I have a number of questions here. I actually think this is a great one from uh, Jess, which asks, um, I'll direct this one first to, to, to Debbie. Are you ready, Debbie? What did you worry about for your kids that turned out to be okay or better than you imagined as you were raising us? Were there things you were worried about and then it turned out to be totally okay? It might have been something temporary while we were kids or something later. W- were there things that you were thinking about that now you're like, oh, that was silly for me to even be worried? Right. I guess the influence of others, uh, other peers. I was never afraid. We were always in a good, you know, good neighborhood. Uh, but I was always afraid you'd be highly, in, you know, influenced uh, by your peers, and that would cause a conflict in the with the family. Uh, you probably were influenced, but uh, not to a great extent. Yeah. What, what do you attribute that to? And it, we, when you guys were worried about that, did that affect how you parented us, or things that messages that you gave us? Perhaps we watched over you. Um, I had a different upbringing than, uh, than Charlie. He came from a big family. So he just, he said, let them be, they're going to be okay. But because I grew up in a similar type atmosphere that you guys grew up, 
I was I wasn't influenced by others. Materialism was always on my mind, so I didn't want you guys to think we didn't have what others have, and you would feel resentful. We did a good good job of that. And just for context here, so my mom grew up sort of actually. It's it's interesting, mom. Like uh, it's 1950s suburban Chicago. You guys are in the suburbs. Your siblings are named Jimmy and Judy. You're Jimmy, Judy, and Debbie. Uh, you know, bo- boomer kids, etc. My father, born in Marrakesh, one of uh, seven, uh, w- would eventually live in Israel and come to America, and, and, and that's where you met. So I had two very, very different experiences uh, growing up. Carol, your your thoughts on things you were concerned about um, as a mom growing up and things that turned out to actually be okay? Well, I also was worried about the influence of uh, of, of others. I, I always felt that I wanted them to be in a good school where they would uh, would have good people around them. But then when I was teaching, I realized that uh, it didn't matter where <laughs> where they went to school. There were always negative things around, and I was just always worried that uh, they might follow the negative rather than the positive, and um, I, that turned out to be uh, nothing to worry about. But I also, uh, and I guess it's a probably a worry of people today. I was always worried about their safety, and um, you know, just just whether they. I didn't want them to get hurt. I didn't. Uh, I was worried about. Uh, it, they, like abductions and things like that, uh, you know, just them not being, uh, just not being safe. And, uh, th- that was, uh, that was something I, and I realized I really didn't have to worry about it, but I just did. That was, that was a big worry of mine, but they were, um, you know, I was lucky. They were actually, you know, good students and I didn't have to worry about uh, you know, their school or anything like that. But I just, uh, I, I, I did worry about their safety and, uh, you know, and I, and I just, uh, maybe to an overextent, but, uh, I, I I think people, I think actually today it might even be. Well, I was going to say you guys were raising and worried about safety in an era of no cell phones. I mean, literally I, there was jokes about this on the internet now, but, you know, literally, mom, like after school, I might go ride my bike somewhere and you're not you wouldn't know for hours where I am. You just kind of assume, oh, he might be with a friend, et cetera. Right. You're right. But uh, but I was hands on. I was much more aware. It wasn't the uh, it wasn't like when I was in the 60s where I was riding all over the place, not telling my folks where I was. And they would say, come home before it gets dark. I think we were a little bit uh, more watchful. As far as cell phones, I was thankful the cell phones came in, of course, as you were learning to drive. So I bugged you guys, asking you where you were. And if you wanted to answer, you answered, but eventually you came home. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's crazy because they when you talk about the cell phones... Before cell phones, it was call me as soon as you get to your friend's house. You know, call me, it, it, let me know where you are. And then it was the, the beepers. Beepers. Uh, <laughs> they had the, the beepers cool. And But it's, uh, you know, it. I guess that's that was really my biggest 
uh, my biggest fear. And I, to be quite honest, it, it's still a fear of mine now. I, I think that it's because of the way life is. For example, the, 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 a lot of districts where I where we live now on Long Island, they have total busing for elementary school children, and it's because of security. Uh, where, where we live, we live a block and a half away from the elementary school that Scott and Jill went to, and they, if they were going, and they used to walk to school. Uh, we used to walk with them, of course, uh, <laughs> until they got. Home. <laughs> I don't remember, but anyhow, I used to drop you off. Because you you stayed in school early because the, be, you went early because I was working. I went early because you were working, and there was a crew. There was a small crew of us who were there before the bell, you know, before school started. Who had working parents or two working parents, and it was so fun. We would do relay races. It was never one of those like, oh my god, we have to go to school early. It was it was great. Just when you talk about the guilt of, of working, which I know you don't have, but if you did, we, no. we had so much fun. Um, but I remember walking home from school just by ourselves. When maybe when we were older, we walked home from school by ourselves. Well, but we know, were a block away. I mean, we weren't far. It wasn't dangerous. Right. And Scott was three grades ahead of you. Yeah. So it, by the time you went, you were in first. He was in fourth. So... Uh, it, yeah, so going home. But we used to drop you off before, and it just shows the difference at that time because we dropped those kids off, and they kind of hung out in the lobby, and they were, they were basically unsupervised. They just, you know, they were there. I, the teachers would be coming into school. Now, most schools have before and after school programs, you know, uh, that parents pay for so that they can drop the kids off when they go to work in the morning. So, uh, you know, that itself was so different, but it, it, today it's, it's, the security is, is a big issue with, uh, with being a parent today. Cause as I said, today, the kids that live on my block, they get bussed to school because, and it's really because of security. They don't want kids walking alone. It's, it really, it's a shame. I, I, I think it's a sad commentary on society, but that's a whole other issue. Uh, but that was always a worry. As a matter of fact, I was been cleaning things out and um, I actually found this this uh, these, this big envelope and it had identify child and it was your fingerprints and all things that uh, about you so that if if you did get abducted, they would. Uh, there was a way that they could find you, or at least help find you. And that was you were definitely either in kindergarten or elementary school, but you know, uh, maybe even earlier. And uh, I guess that's always a worry of of kids. But that was my biggest worry: losing my sweet little children. I still say that today. I'll tell whenever we get off the phone or I text or if I hear something on the news, it's like I relate it. So we're always moms. I guess this is the takeaway. You're always a mom and these kids are always in your heart. And uh, thank God for the technology that they can uh, answer back so quickly. But the worries, you will that's part of being a mom. Uh, so several people have asked, um, just given that we're both journalists and we host this podcast. When uh, our parents saw an interest in news, uh, someone said, "Is there are there video clips of you as children 
doing fake broadcasts. I, I will say this. Um, we didn't have a camera, but we have audio. Uh, there's cassette tapes. I don't know if we have a cassette tape player anymore, Mom. But uh, we used to do fake uh, radio shows, I think, uh, in middle school. Middle school. That was with your friends, right? And the cassette right. that I found a few uh, months ago, it had Mo News on it. No Apparently way, I really? Yeah, I think it was high school. So I kept it safe <laughs> somewhere in this house. So if we can find a cassette player, right. we could find out what exactly I was calling Mo News in the mid-90s, but apparently it existed at the time. Right. But as, <laughs> but as far as Mo, I'll take it, he was a toddler, probably two and a half, three years old, sitting with his grandma, who had the patience Your mom. to show yeah. him the World Atlas. That was his favorite book. It was bigger than him, but they would sit and look at the World Atlas. Um and that's a fond memory. And taking him to the library, which we did uh, probably a couple of times a week, he would try to find the nonfiction, which was kind of difficult in the juvenile <laughs> section. But <laughs> I was I was that one of the few right. elementary kids that didn't want to read fiction. I just right, wanted to read right. He just wanted yeah. to go to the nonfiction. So he would probably pick up the books, return the books, wait until they were uh, shelved, and then. Take, remove them again and take them home. But he was into that. But we read plenty of others. But his favorite was the nonfiction. So, and the famous story that you love to recite, Mosh, is being given a quarter to get an ice cream cone downstairs. But he would bring up the daily news. <laughs> That's pretty amazing. That's his favorite. <laughs> That's his favorite. Well, Jill, uh, she... Um she was always, you know, the little busybody. She had to know about everything and uh, ask why and how and uh, always was telling uh, telling what went on. She was always a detail person. I'll never forget my, my son and her, would they would come off the bus from uh, a camp and I'd say to my son, uh, how was camp? Uh, good. What'd you do? I, we had fun and run off. I'd ask Jill and she'd say, um, well, I got to, I got off the bus. I went to my locker. I opened it up. I took out my bathing suit. I changed into my bathing suit and it gave me a blow by blow. <laughs> and, and, and of course, when she was in elementary school, I actually, my husband and I were discussing it before. I actually have videos uh, of her as a reporter. Uh, it's several once uh, with my son and sitting at one of, at a desk down uh, in my den. I have another one where she was uh, in the couch on the, in the living room with uh, another friend. We still have them with Lynn's, my friend Lindsay Kraft, who happens to be an actress in in Los Angeles right now and a musician. And we joke because I'm the journalist and I was interviewing her and she was, I think she played Marla Maples. There was a, a whole skit where she was Marla Maples and my brother was Donald Trump and I was interviewing them. Stop it. I, we need I this. have it. It exists. <laughs> I will find it. Most you will love it. <laughs> I mean, it was I, who, who knew how relevant that sketch would be, Jill, 30 years later? <laughs> I have a fond memory that came up last night because I was, um, I think Moshe was in fourth grade and I remember him coming home and he talked about school and the first, and he had told me, he says, you know, mom, 
I'm so frustrated uh, with my classmates. And I asked him what's going on. He said, these kids don't care. They don't know about the world outside. <laughs> they don't know about the news. Uh, and this was in fourth grade. So I knew something, something greater was even on the horizon for him. But that, he says, I just want people to know what's going on. And I said, you know, most kids today, most parents, they just live in their own little world. It's a great thing that you want to know about the outside world. I think that's what we um, try to teach them, that there is a big world outside uh, where they grew up. And there's people who are, you know, the unfortunates. There's war. Um and the fact I wanted them to uh, learn about what others are going through rather than themselves. And their problems aren't as big as what other kids are going through. Empathy is the big word that I have to say that Moshe picked up especially. And I'm proud of him. And whenever he uses the word grateful and he shows what's going on, I fall back on what we try to uh, teach the the boys that there's a big world out there and you have to feel for others. I think that story though, Mosh, that you came home in third grade or fourth grade and, and were so said you were frustrated that other kids didn't know, want to know what was going on. That's yeah, got to I mean, open up your memoir. That's, that's gotta be <laughs> the lead in your memoir. When I was nine, I wanted to talk about what was on the network news and just my fellow nine-year-olds didn't want to do that. And it very much frustrated me as I told my mother. I was also, I mean, I, I remember this, um, I, like for some reason, you know, I, I remember wanting to get extra points in school from memorizing dates and facts. I was really into social studies and the teachers are like, oh, it doesn't matter if you get the dates wrong. And it really upset me to my core because I thought it was very important to remember historical dates. <laughs> There you go. Little Mosh. <laughs> Little Mosh with the details. Yeah, they did well. So, But it sounds to me like, and I think this speaks to like, you know, as moms are raising their kids, as parents are raising their kids, how much of it is innate, right? Is ensuring that like recognizing the things your kids are interested in and ensuring they can be successful in that. And how much of that, because one of the questions we got was like, how did you instill news or journalism into your kids? It sounds like it was the opposite. Your kids came to you with their interests. I think a lot of it is innate. I think I think uh, as far as being a news person and being, you know, putting yourself out there to try to explain to other people what's going on in the world. I think that's something that has, that comes from within to be able to be able to want to express yourself to others and not be afraid to express yourself to others. That's not that doesn't come easily to everyone. I think you have, that has to be inborn to be able to speak to a crowd of people, uh, and not feel intimidated by that. Uh, and I'm, I'm glad that I, I that we were, I, I just felt like I didn't want to hold Jill back. What if she wanted to do something, let her do it. And honestly, I knew that when she decided that she wanted to go into on-air journalism, that that was a really tough, it's a tough profession. And I think that it's great that she's doing something with her life that she loves. I, I just think that's what it's all about. I, I What bothered me when I, I would listen to other people say, you know, they hate their job and it's they can't wait till they retire. And 
you know, I, I didn't feel like that and I didn't want my children to feel like that. And if you could, if you have something you love and you could do that and make a living at it and, and do that as your lifetime profession, I, I think it's, you're very fortunate. Not everybody could do that. So if that was, if that's your child's interest, I think nurture it, even if it's far fetched. Uh, I mean, I'm an art teacher, so artists, uh, that's a, a hard profession. And, uh, you know, my mother discouraged me from doing, uh, uh, from being a, just an artist or a commercial artist, because when I first graduated from college, I worked in commercial art for a couple of years and it was very tough. And then, but I had also taken my, gotten my, uh, my teaching license because my mother she encouraged me to do that. And so when I, you know, I started in the city and they appoint you and they are on a list, et cetera, et cetera. So when I finally got called, it was a big decision to leave one and go to the other. And I wound up going, I, I just felt very influenced by my parents and I, I did go into the teaching and I did not like it at first at all. But uh, eventually, when I found my niche, which was elementary art, I, I I felt like I died and went to heaven. I just loved it so much, and I would to this day I feel so lucky that I had a job for so many years that I really loved, and I, you know, and, and so I was loving it at the time that my children were already graduating high school and starting college and beyond. So I felt that if she had if Jill had something she was passionate about, even if it was a hard profession to realize, uh, I, I wanted to support her in every way I could. And, uh, and this is the result. Yeah, I agree. You said that beautifully. We watched Mosh. We had confidence uh, with what he was doing. Uh, and we just supported him the best way we can. When he went off to college, I said, this is the best thing for him. I said, he's going to fly now. So we just waited and we were amazed to see uh, the accomplishments. And there isn't a day that goes by that we uh, don't say how proud we are. And people don't have to remind us of that either. And we listened when he had something to tell us and he seeked our guidance. I hope we provided enough for him, but the best is just to sit and wait and watch and uh, know that your kid is going to be okay. You know, what's interesting is that Moshe and I, and, and you talk about this from a young age, it was very clear that the two of us, this is what profession we were going to go into. And if, if we weren't going to do it to make money, like we were interested in news and journalism, and, and this is what we want to do. And we both have siblings who this couldn't be further from what they want to do. Yep. And I and I think that as parents, at least right now, it's like we want to we want our kids to be successful and we, we're, you know, there's so much pressure on them to do this and do that and have a tutor and do this sport and this club and this. But it sounds like ultimately in this debate versus nature versus nurture, we are who we are. And and it may not necessarily be influenced by anything that parents did. No, I, I, I think it definitely, it's, it's something that is it definitely in them because, uh, I, you know, you and Scott went in, your brother went in totally different directions and you had the same 
SAT tutoring. You had the same basic, same education, and you your choices were to do different things. You know, he was more athletics, and it's just you know it was it was a totally different. Uh, totally different kind of experience and it was because of the things that you desired and that he desired not what we wanted you to do you know we we let you do what you needed to do because it came I always felt like even when it came to uh, college and I'm saying this because I think that it relates to what you what you're talking about uh, people, you know, uh, with the Ivy League and this and that and everything. I always just said it, the most important thing is that you're happy in school. If you're not going to be happy, you're you're not going to stay in school. You're going to be miserable. You're going to transfer. You're going to, you know. So you have to let your kids. You have to guide them. It's a hard. It's it's hard being a parent. You have to guide them, but you still want them to be happy. You don't want them to do something to that they're going to, you know, you don't want them to fall off a cliff, but you want them to be successful and be happy and, and content in their life because of all the other, you know, you start to think about all the other psychological things that go on and you hear kids that get depressed. And, and those were things that were very concerning to, to your father and I, because we, you know, you, you have friends, you hear things and you know about, uh, it, it, you know, we read things and you, you know about all these instances with unhappy kids, you know, they have unhappy lives and sometimes they want to end their life. They want, you know, they, it sounds dramatic, but it's not really that off scale when you think about your kid going away to school or doing something and they're not in your house anymore. You want them to be happy. I, I have a couple other questions, but first mom, anything that's been on your mind here? Like Carol had said, we want you to be happy. We wanted, uh, I think it's important for us to be able to expose you to. Uh, that's it. I forget it. Yeah. I, I, I think, you know, and we got a question about this, about fostering interests, right? I, uh, identifying what your kids are interested in and then creating opportunities or helping them to cultivate that. Moshe, I can't wait until <laughs> you're a parent because you're going you're gonna to look back at this conversation and you're going <laughs> to you're gonna realize how hard, how hard we worked as mothers. Uh, oh, I, I give you an incredible amount of credit. And it, it, it goes to one of the questions that we got here from somebody who says... What advice would you give married moms to engage their husbands more in family stuff, in caretaking of the children? Is there anything that was um, useful uh, in that? Uh, how, how did the roles and responsibilities go? And, and, and the question from one person is like advice for moms to get the, the dads uh, more involved in things. I think today it's, it's a much better world that uh, the mothers would want their husbands to uh, share child care and take over at times, even if they don't do it the same way as the mom. I think it's important for the father to be able to fall, fall in and parent their kids and do the hard work and uh, do the day-to-day type, take them to daycare. 
pick them up from daycare, take them out to dinner. Now, this is something that uh, Moshe's uh, brother did last night, and he told me, he says, Mom, I don't know how Emily does this. I don't know how you did it. But I said, you'll find a way, and you'll do it with love, and your kids are going to know that you're the dad, but you know how to take care of me as well, and I can run to you uh, for any reason and know that you will take good care of me the way mom does. Mom, you would agree we were, I think, unique in that my father is really involved with stuff. And I I don't think you had to even encourage it necessarily. No, I think uh, I I, I didn't. Daddy was uh, was before his time because I think that today uh, fathers actually uh, do participate uh, a, a lot more than uh, than they ever did, and I think that it it's become a more accepted and natural thing for dads to be involved with their kids and take them places uh, and and do things with them that. The everyday type of things, just, you know, like going out and uh, bathing and feeding, changing kids. Uh, I think that it's more natural today for dads to do that than ever. And you were very lucky because your dad was very involved. We, we did not have to. Uh, that was not a struggle for us. And I think that uh, I, I think that the having a, a father that's active in your life and that relationship with the father is, is really super important. But, um, no, I, I think that fathers are much more involved in now in, in everything. Uh, we look out the window and uh, to the school bus every morning and it literally is all fathers bringing their kids to the school bus. It, it's an amazing thing. We, we, we talk about it all the time because the, the fathers are there at 745 in the morning putting those kids on the bus. I can appreciate the new mom. I can respect the new moms today and and appreciate and respect the new dads. I love to see how the dads are involved, uh, their desire to be involved. Uh, it wasn't that way in our time, at least for me personally, because it's how you grew up. So my boys and Moshe in the future will uh, take on roles that he didn't see his dad set as an example. Uh, and that's okay, too. That's okay, too. Well, part of, I mean, I think also part of like being raised and then deciding how you want to be as parents is also picking and choosing, right? From the buffet. Of course, like, either you're going to be I, like them or you're going to say it was okay, but I'm going to do it differently. I, I heard it said to me recently that, you know, you, you're forming your own identity. And so, sometimes people have a tendency to want to replicate, for better or for worse, what they saw. Right. But recognizing that you have a choice in this life of, again, taking the best of and then also uh, diverging. And it took me, Carol, you mentioned your mom earlier um, and on this Mother's Day. And we began the conversation with, you know, that when you guys think about Mother's Day, you think about your mothers. Lessons from your moms, good and bad. <laughs> Well, um, my mother, uh, she, she was very strong minded and, uh, really tried to, uh, influence, influence me in uh, a lot of ways, as I said, with, uh, just, you know, going, going into being, te- being a teacher, which turned out in the long run to be a blessing and wonderful for me, you know, and my mother, she was, a she was a great cook and, 
you know, there were just a lot of things that, uh, that she did that I really did not do <laughs> as a parent. But my my parents had they had four children. I have two, and uh, you know, so it was different. And you're right; you pick and choose. The one thing that I have to say, my parents were extremely loving and nurturing, and um, and it's that that unconditional love that you just. I think that's the that's the thing that always uh, stayed with me the, the the hugs and the and the kisses and. Uh, I, I felt like I could go to my mother for anything, you know, that, that, that feeling that, uh, that no matter what it was, I could, I could go to my parents with it. I didn't have to hide anything. And I, I think that was the biggest, uh, lesson for me. And I hope that I, uh, instilled that to my kids, that confidence that no matter what it was, if it was bad or good, they could come to me with anything. And I think that's the, that's the biggest takeaway from, uh, from my childhood is the, the unconditional love. And, uh, to me that that's what life is all about. And I was just lucky that I had that. I think that, <clears throat> I think you did instill that it's, at least with me. And I'm sure with Scott also is that we did feel that way that we didn't have to really hide anything. If there was a problem, we could tell you and it wouldn't be the end of the world. And that is something that I am trying to do for my kids. I mean, obviously the baby's too young at this point, but with Alex, I always try to say, I'm not going to be mad. Just tell me what's going on. We'll figure it out. You know, you're not in trouble, et cetera. And, and I, that, if I didn't realize that that came from grandma, but I, that's a, it's a great lesson. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm glad to hear that. That makes me feel so good. <laughs> that's why no matter what, you know, whether it's the, the 1900 or 2051, it's, it's all about unconditional love and confidence that you instill in your children. Mom, le- lessons from granny. Granny. Um, uh... Growing up, I know how much I saw her work hard. Uh, she was a fine, ex- wonderful example as a wife who worked hard. Um, she took care of the house. She took care of our, the kids. She made a beautiful place for us to come home to feel safe. Uh, extremely protective. She was very watchful. So it, I felt at times that I couldn't tell her everything, but, uh, it worked out. It worked out. She wanted me to be educated. She wanted me to become a wife, a good mother, and, uh, just to love and protect my children. Uh, but also to be strong and to be, uh, confident as a woman and wife. Do you think, I mean, so you, you know, you, you guys kind of both grew up in the, in the boomer age and your parents were from a previous generation where they had been instilled certain things. I think officially it's either the greatest generation or the silent generation. I forget what they call it, depending on when they were born. And mom, in particular, you know, you were coming of age in the late 60s and early 70s and the hippies and, you know, all all the various stages that were happening there. Were there things where, you know, you realize like, oh, this is definitely something from a bygone era. When I'm a mother, this is not something I'll I'll do necessarily. A way in ways in which you diverged from your mother. One thing I heard in the house, and it, it wasn't the, it's not the greatest thing to say is, you know, tell us the good news. 
always bring home the good news. Don't always share what you feel that you uh, have to keep quiet on, but just tell us the good news. And I felt in my heart, that's not the way to be. I want the kids to come at any time and tell me whatever they had to say, not to hide any feelings, especially boys, because boys keep a lot inside. And I didn't want them to uh, be afraid to talk and tell me well, and, and the, what's going and that's on. Especially a lesson I got, I got from, 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 uh, you know, my father, who also like very much is like, you know, be a soldier, <laughs> keep it inside. Things could be worse. Do you know how bad it was for me? Right, right. <laughs> and I always told the boys, you know, you've got to think in terms of uh, what he went through and you've got to be in his shoes. But you've got to be you've got to wear both pairs of shoes. Sometimes you've got to know that there's a different uh, side to things. And not to be afraid to show emotions. And I see that in my boys that uh, when they're happy, they show their emotions. When they're unhappy, again, they'll uh, voice what's going on and uh, not be afraid to be angry at a person. You can still love them and show a soft side as well. I, I've really enjoyed this conversation. I've learned a lot about young Jill. Teenage <laughs> Jill in particular is interesting to me and I think is worthy, Carol, of a separate podcast um, with great anecdotes. I mean, you know, one of the, you know, the questions we keep getting, Jill, is like, favorite memory of young motion, Jill? Favorite this, favorite that? Did you ever have to ground them? Uh, you know, like people are very, it seems, uh, some people are very interested in specific anecdotes of our youth. So I guess... We could end there potentially, Jill, with with Carol and Debbie, which is, um, you know, we've gone into some memories here. If there's anything else that comes to mind as, as we conclude here um, on this special edition of the podcast, favorite memories or parting thoughts, uh, whoever wants to take it first. Well, this isn't really a parting thought, <laughs> but when you talk about an anecdote, uh, we we always wanted the kids to... Uh, tell the truth and, and not, you know, and, and, uh, be very honest with us. And I'll never forget, they weren't allowed to take cabs because we were nervous about, uh, them being in, in a, we, we, I, we didn't care. Like I said, safety was number paramount. One. Number one. We didn't care how many times we had to drive them someplace. If we had to pick them up at no matter what time or what we would, we would drive them. We did not want them taking cabs. And I'll never forget, Jill once took a cab with one of her friends. And I don't even remember how, exactly how it came out. Because her younger thought, brother told on us. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> the younger brother told us and told their parents. And we got a phone call to come to her friend's house and we're in the kitchen and it seemed that the younger brother of her friend told that Jill and uh, her friend took a cab, but it was okay. But they said it was okay because her friend took a, a, a knife from the kitchen and it was had a kitchen knife. <laughs> they had a weapon on them. The two of <laughs> No, she took a butter knife, oh, which butter is ridiculous. Knife. So, Armed with a butter knife in a taxi uh, cab. Had a butter knife, uh, and the, so the two of them are sitting in the back of the cab with a butter knife, and uh, and they thought that everything was okay until uh, little brother. So uh, 
Yeah, that was uh, something that we, we we still talk about that today. Since since we were so positive, Mom, any negative? Uh, That's cute. <laughs> most, because some, most causing you trouble. Yeah. The only thing that came up was what was it? Sixth grade, seventh grade. I guess you hadn't finished a report. Uh, and you told me, Mom, I really need the day off tomorrow because I didn't complete my project. And I said, that's crazy. I'm not going to allow you to stay home. So a few hours later, I go into my room and on my dresser are all the little toys that I had bought for Moshe through the years. He returned them <laughs> to me because he was so angry about the fact that I wouldn't let him stay home and finish a project. <laughs> How did you feel about that strategy? I giving you giving you back all the gifts you. I know I was I I laughed and then I realized like you were really angry and I should have listened. You know I could have listened to you and said yeah it's okay stay home finish your project, uh, take a mental health day. But I didn't know about those days at that time. They didn't exist back then, right? But it was just so funny because it was the little special special things I bought. So it it. It, uh, I had to think about it much more than just what you were, you were telling me you were angry, but you, uh, gave it back to me <laughs> big time. And the only thing I can tell about Moshe is, um, uh, if your view, I, first of all, I want to thank all the viewers and support that you guys get. It, it's amazing. It's amazing. When I listen to you every day, uh, watch your lives. I appreciate the support that you get from everybody and the love. But I'll tell your viewers, if they ask me about Mosh, I said he was the little three-year-old who hardly said a word. He was late in, ta in, in his speech. Uh, and the fact that he had his brother call his friends up because Mosh at one time was very shy, probably similar to what I am today. But he was a shy little boy for quite a few years. And who would think that he's on his uh, podcast every day and outgoing and... Back when you had to, I, I, I love that. Back I, And now I remember this, you're like bringing up memories. When back in the day when you had to order pizza by phone, I was scared to call the pizza place to order pizza. It's so interesting to hear that as a new mom, as a relatively new mom, because you think that, your kids' personalities are set in stone, but they're really not. And and you don't know it until they're much older. And you could look back and say something like, Mosh, you were too nervous to even call the pizza guy or whatever, or your friends, and and look at you now. And and I think yeah. that in some ways that's actually really comforting because it feels like ultimately things will work out. You know, things work Absolutely. themselves out and you become who you're gonna be. And for me, one of the things that I'm taking away from this conversation is that you both talked about, you know, right now I'm a, I'm a mom, I'm struggling with motherhood in the year 2023 when we have smartphones and the internet and, and so many other challenges that didn't exist back when I was growing up. And to hear you guys talking about what you thought was the golden era, the 1950s. So here we we talk about our childhood like that was, you know, the, the best time and easier days, less complicated out till it was dark out and our parents didn't worry about us. But I think everybody has this longing and this feeling that it was easier before it was simpler times. 
but ultimately we're all okay. You know, we all turn out okay, regardless. Right. Especially you guys have confidence. Things will be okay. You want to, as long as you want to be a good parent, that's uh, very important. Uh, and let your kids be, be confident as a parent, watch, be watchful, be loving, but give them room to grow, expose them to uh, things that they're interested in, expose them to things that they may not be interested in at the time, but your kids are going to be okay. You'll be okay. Don't stress. There's just too much information out there and we're always questioning (laughs) ourselves, but uh, sometimes sit back and say, I'm going to do the right thing because I love them. And I know that uh, that's how it's always been. Being a good parent is worrying and it doesn't stop. It it never stops. It never stops. So so well said. I think that you have to, uh, like, like you said, Deb, let your kids see and, and experience as much as they possibly can, but don't force them into things. Let them be happy. Get let them speak their mind. Do the things they want to do, and as long as they have that unconditional love and feel like they're loved and supported uh, by the people around them, their strong family, then things will work out because life is is continuously it's evolving and changing and things will always be a little bit different than they were years before but i think basic motherhood and and love it it's that's always really the same that that doesn't change it doesn't well thank you guys we wanted to do this because motherhood is so hard, I think anyway. And and especially what I was reading at the top, those headlines, it's just, I don't know if it's that there's, because of social media, everyone's just talking about motherhood and its challenges, or if it really is just that much harder. But, you know, moms deserve to be celebrated. And we we thought, what better way to do that than to bring our moms on? As nervous as we were, or as nervous as I was, uh, Speaking of things that you were worried yeah. about that turned out not to right. be something But I think, about. you know, you talk about social media. We also had social media. We took you guys to preschool. We were at the school events and you listened to what other parents were saying, what they were doing, how they were moving into other homes. So I think in each era, there's a social media, but now it's just Big, well, now you're time. hearing from strangers and there's, yeah, it's, it, it feels, it feels overwhelming, but I, I, I loved going on those, on the positive note, on the optimism note, mom. And I, and, you know, people ask me a lot, like, how do you, how do you deal on Jill? I think you get this too. Like you have so much negative news to deal with all the time. How do you remain optimistic? Well, you guys just heard my mom. Yeah. <laughs> it's what goes on in your own home. Don't, you know, be concerned about what happens outside, but it's really building a home of love unconditional love and uh having your kids come home any you know come home and do their thing and uh feeling safe in every way we're both so thankful um to have such amazing mothers and for your time today mom i still need to figure out what decisions i'm making that you're not support that you don't agree with (laughs) that you're holding your tongue created (laughs) 
Jill, let it go. Let it go. I Carol is in full <laughs> approval of your mothering. Okay. Well, we are, and and I have to say, motion, Jill, and I'm sure that uh, Deb feels the same way. Listening to you and Moshe every day, it's like it's like sunshine in the in the morning, no matter what the weather is like. We're so proud of you. I, I really, it's uh, indescribable. You've you've made our dreams come true just by looking at the two of you. On the screen, really. Absolutely. It's my favorite part of the day, whether I listen first first thing, I look forward to it. And it's a wonderful feeling. Uh, I can put you, I can put the phone in my back pocket, take a walk, and I've got you right there to listen to. It's, I'm so thankful for that. Or I can watch you guys now. I do it on, I watch you on YouTube. And that makes my day. My mom was one of the people, one of the people requesting YouTube presses. Yeah. So we've. Mosh kept saying, the people are asking, the people are asking for YouTube. And I'm like, who? Who is asking for YouTube? Well, among them is my mom. You met her, Debbie. Right. On that note, a huge thank you to both of you so much for joining us on this podcast. More importantly, for just being amazing mothers. Um, throughout our lives it cannot love you yeah we cannot say enough about about both of you um and again thank you guys for for coming on oh we love you thank you for what you're doing for us you're giving it right back love you mom happy mother's day yeah happy mother's day love you love you Hi, Motion, Jill. Hi, Motion. Happy Mother's Day, Jill. It's Shelly Smith from Orange County. This is Melissa from Michigan. My name is Catherine. I'm from Denver, Colorado. This is Cara calling from Helena, Montana. Jill Bro. I live in Cincinnati, Ohio. Hi, this is Claudia. I live in Sugarland, Texas. Hi, this is Rebecca, and I am in San Francisco, California. Jill, my mom was a teacher like yours, and the thing I learned from her was to always reach out and look for the kids that were alone and reach out and include them. Keep your visits short and sweet and don't be afraid to roll up your sleeves and do some dishes or bring some groceries and you will have long lasting relationships with friends and family. It was actually my mom's mom that gave me this good advice. She said always take care of your teeth and your feet. She hadn't written very much in my baby book when I was a baby, and I asked her why she didn't. She said, I was way too busy having fun playing with you to write in that book. And my mom's advice was always, if you can't taste the alcohol, it isn't worth drinking. The best piece of advice my mother gave me was, 85% of what your children do, they will grow out of. And the other 15%, you can't do anything about anyway. The best piece of advice my mom gave me was that it always works out. Happy Mother's Day to all the mothers out there. Happy Mother's Day to all the moms. Happy Mother's Day. Happy Mother's Day. Happy Mother's Day to you, Jill. Bye.